Welcome to the Anonymous Podcast. This episode will be It Works, How and Why Studying Commentary. The aim is to provide insight to and context of the material within our book, It Works, How and Why. Alright folks, this is not a meeting of Narcotics Anonymous. However, there are going to be some similarities in how the study will be conducted. Each study will have the audio recorded and then published to the Anonymous Podcast. The overall goal is to provide commentary of the text toward reaching those seeking a resource like this. We know if one person benefits from our efforts, we collectively believe, even including us, then our participation was well worth the effort. We're going to start off with our introduction, and then we're going to jump into the text. Get a pen, a highlighter, and get ready to go. Enjoy. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Anonymous Podcast. This is the It Works Found Why study. Uh, we are on step eight this evening, uh, starting on page 76 with While Our Efforts to Make Amends. And we'll start with our introductions. Christine, you want to start us off? Sure. Hey, everybody. Christine O. My clean date is March 31st, 1994. And I attend meetings in the Virginia Beach and Tidewater areas in Virginia. Thanks, Christine. Eric. Hey, what's up, fam? I'm an addict. My name's Eric. Uh, my clean date is September 16th, 2019, and uh, my home group is Friday Night Clean in Bradenton, Florida. Thanks, Eric. Barb. Hey, Jen. I'm Barb R. I'm in the Panhandle of Florida. My clean date is 10-4-95, and my home group is Open Mind in New Orleans. Thanks, Barb. Donna P. Hey everyone, it's Donna P. out here in Eugene, Oregon. My clean date is 11-22-85. My home group is Solutions for Living, 6 p.m. on Sunday. Come see us sometime. Thanks, Donna. Lee. Thanks, Jen. Uh, Lee P. Attic, clean date 8-27-87. I live in New Orleans and I'm like Barb. My home group is open now. Thanks. Thanks, Lee. Paul, come on in. Hi, everyone. I'm Paul. I'm an addict. I uh, attend meetings in New Orleans, Louisiana. My uh, clean date is January 6, 1995, and I attend, uh, my home group is Open Mind as well. Thanks, Paul. Douglas. Hey, folks. I'm an addict. Name's Douglas. I go clean March 12, 2000 in Southwestern PA. I stay in the Raleigh, North Carolina area now. Jen, you're doing a great job facilitating. Very nice. Thanks, Douglas. Neil, our guest. Come on in. My name's Neil. I'm an addict. Uh, I go to meetings in the Tidewater slash Virginia Beach area here on the coast of Virginia. My clean date's Christmas Day, 1999. And my home group is Enjoying the Journey. Thanks so much, Neil. My name is Jennifer and I'm an addict. My clean date is November 27th, 1992. I attend meetings in Sacramento, California, and my home group is The Journey Within. All right, folks. Uh, Donna, you want to get us started? While our efforts. Sure. Hi, everybody. While our efforts to make amends may make a difference in the lives of those we have harmed, this process has great impact on our own lives. Our objective is to begin clearing away the damage we've done so that we can continue with our spiritual awakening. By the time we work our way through the process of making amends, we will surely be astounded by the level of freedom we feel. We are involved in a process designed to free us from our past so that we are able to live fully in the present. Many of us are haunted by memories of our mistreatment of others. Those memories can creep up on us without warning. Our shame and remorse over our past actions are so deep that these recollections can cause us to feel unbearable guilt. We want to be free of such guilt and we begin by making a list of the persons we have harmed. Lovely, uplifting writing there. Um, so my first time uh, working the eighth step, my sponsor had a pretty hard time convincing me that I didn't owe the whole world amends, right? That I wasn't somehow responsible for all the bad things that have ever happened to anyone everywhere. That as, at the age of 12, I was somehow responsible for all that stuff. But when we got very specific about who I had harmed and 
the ideas I had about people, places, and ideas, you know, putting those things on a list. I am still sometimes all these years later, deeply ridden by guilt over, not guilt even, just remorse over the way things happened and the things that I did, even though I know I can't go back and change them. What I have had is a spiritual experience that lets me know that working this process, it works. And I'm going to tell you guys some more about that as we go on through this with a ex-husband 40 years later that I've just now been able to get some freedom from. But it started by putting his name on the list and all these years being willing to do whatever comes next because I want the freedom that is promised here. And I believe in it. Thanks. Thanks, Donna. I think the one sentence that really, or the last two sentences in the second paragraph, we want to be free of such guilt. We begin by making a list of the people we harm. Like I already knew, like even before I got here, like the, the general basis of all the people that I had harmed. But my sponsor was really good about recognizing that a lot of the things that I perceived as doing harm, there were some people that, that I didn't have to make amends to, but I was so filled with, sh with shame that it was just every person that I encountered, like Donna was talking about, like, I just thought I had to make amends for my really bad behavior, which some people were oblivious to, you know, um, and it didn't directly affect them. And so um, it was, it was a, it was a process of like really filtering through what my perceived harms were and what the actual harms were. Um, so, and thank God for a thorough four-step because that really did help me figure that out. But, um, but yeah, that was, that was the one piece that really struck me. So, um, and we'll go to our next, nobody else, our next two paragraphs. Um, Neil, you want to read, starting with just thinking the next two paragraphs? I'm a boomer, so I'm slow with this technology stuff. All right, so uh, I'm Neil, I'm an addict. Just thinking about our list may frighten us. We may be afraid that we've done so much damage that we can never repair it. Or we may be afraid of facing the people we've harmed. We find ourselves wondering how our amends will be received. Our most hopeful projections probably entail being absolved of any wrongdoing. Our most nightmarish expectations may involve someone refusing to accept our amends, preferring instead to take revenge. Most of us have fairly vivid imaginations, but this is not the time to get ahead of ourselves. We must avoid projections, either negative or positive, about actually making our amends. We are on the eighth step, not the ninth step. At this point, making a list and becoming willing to make amends are our only concerns. Working the previous steps has prepared us for the willingness we need to begin the eighth step. We honestly assessed the exact nature of our wrongs and examined how our actions affected others. It was not easy to admit our wrongs. We had to believe in a power that would supply us with courage and love us through the pain involved in reviewing the results of our addiction. The same honesty and courage called upon as we wrote our inventory and shared it are just as vital in making our amends list. We've been practicing these principles all along and are quite familiar with them. The eighth step is simply a continuation of our efforts to find freedom by applying spiritual principles. And, and I think I'll just listen for right now. Maybe somebody else would like to share. We have anybody that wants to share? Lee, go on. Thanks, uh, Neil, for reading that. Thanks, Jennifer. You are doing a, a, a fantastic job. Um, the first paragraph where it said we're on the eighth step, not the ninth step, and to focus on making the list without the guidance of my first sponsor, it took me a long time to get that because <clears throat> I was never going to uh, write those things down. Or I was never going to tell anyone um, the, the exact nature of some of the horrific things that I had experienced by the time I got to Narcotics Anonymous clean in 1987. And and I I don't know, I have to do a Douglas, you know, um, the next paragraph, it said, working the previous steps is for the 
for the willingness, we need to begin step eight. Well, I wasn't uh, there. I didn't uh, have a strong belief in the God or, or, or anything like that. I believed in what someone else believed, which was just like on loan. So it didn't work very well. And, and the first time through the steps, I was not willing and I was not uh, prepared with courage and love to face the pain. Um, and, and when I got clean, I also had uh, underlying PTSD from when I was in the military and, and a lot of it hadn't surfaced in, you know, at that high of a level yet. Um, so just starting getting him getting me to just start writing, like sitting at Shoney's <laughs> on St. Charles Paul. And he said, well, just write down your name. And so I was like, that doesn't work for me. I didn't harm me. I didn't think I ever harmed myself. It took probably four, eight and nine steps before I'd made it onto a list. Um, so I guess my point is that even with the feet dragging, the denial, the unwillingness, and the opposite of, of these principles, eventually by staying clean and not using, um, eventually I got to create an honest list because at first I wasn't, uh, I wasn't feeling it. I wasn't willing to reveal uh, a lot of those harms. And this is gonna be a real vulnerable step for me. So I, I, that's plenty out of me. Thanks, Jennifer. Thanks, Lee. Douglas. Hey, thanks, Jen. Lee, thanks for bringing that up, man. I think a lot of us, I know for me, I struggle with that too, is like, well, what actually goes there? And then it's um, <clears throat> uh, anticipating like some poor behavior, maybe from the person I need to make amends with and all that stuff. And I lose, for me, I. There, there's been times trying to approach an eight and nine where I lose focus of the whole restoration piece. Like there, there, there was a broken action. Like there, there's damage, there's broken. And my, my goal in this is to say, Hey, look, what, how can I restore this? You know? So what, what the action item is one of the coolest approaches um, that I've done with the eight and nine, when it, when it became time for the eight to, to do the list, it was in three sections. It was like, Okay, people placing things like ideas, institutions, you know, thought processes that I disagree with, like marriage as a constitution, you know, or whatever like this, like those things, um, three, three, three brackets, one, I'm willing to make amends to easy, I can do it right now, no problem, the middle piece is like, ooh, I'm not real excited about it, but fuck it, you know, I'll, I'll do it, you know, and then, and then I think it's really important, man. You know, I know we get we're 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 all gonna you know get hung up on the willing to make amends to them all you know but that third category it was the one that was like fuck it man I'm never making amends to this person the damage that was inflicted upon me by this person was just way too much I'm not doing it and that's cool too because what what ended up happening was not to jump forward but what ended up happening on that journey was as I started making amends to like okay I can do these right now I was like oh fuck HP got my back then I can do the ones that's like oh this shit this, this is shitty. HP got my back. It's okay. And then I can tackle some big ones. And the biggest one, man, I had 10 years clean. Didn't talk to my mom for nine months. She started getting high with my wife at the time. My wife had nine years clean. And uh, uh, I was like, man, fuck her. Fuck her. You know, always absent my whole life in this shit. St still using to this day. Fuck her. Nine months, man. Didn't let the grand, you know, my, my, my boys steer, talk to her or anything like this. I'm sure she was hurt. You know, I'm sure that wasn't good. Like my actions fucked her up. I had a divorce. Hey, what you did to me, what you did to my family, all, all that. I had to divorce that and say, look, there was damage that I caused. I had a conversation with him and told her, I'm sorry. I had no right to hold her grandkids from her and that I missed her. And that was cool, man. She's still used. I tell her I love her though. It's cool, man. We'll FaceTime when she's not real fucked up. We'll have some good face. We'll have some good FaceTime calls when she's real fucked up too. But I just love her where she's at, man. It's you know, it's all good. It's all good. So, so yeah, that was good. Lee, I'm glad you brought that up, man, because I, I mean, there's time I struggle with that exact same thing too. You know, it's sometimes the approach to making this list can just be, it can be confusing, you know, if we don't have some guidance with it, you know, I'll pass. Thanks, Douglas. Reminded me of a set of steps that I did where when we were talking about the eighth step, it was, you know, being willing. And the willing part was there was three columns. It was now, later, and never. 
um, and to put all those people in the categories. And, um, and there was a couple nevers, you know, um, for a long time. And, and I don't feel that way today, kind of similar to what Douglas was talking about, but I felt, and, and, and we keep talking about freedom, right? Like it's been my thing lately, um, the freedom to make those decisions. I'm willing to do it now. I'm willing to do it later. I'm not willing to do it at all. And, and eventually it works itself out, you know, but, but the freedom to actually make those decisions in the moment when I'm still feeling some of the pain and, and, you know, reeling from some of that stuff really was freeing for me. So it didn't, I wasn't stuck in the outcome. I was stuck in the, what can I do now? And we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. So, uh, Barb, you're going to read the next two paragraphs for us. Sure, Jen. Thanks. Making the list and becoming willing may be difficult unless we overcome our resentments. Most of us owe amends to at least one person who has also harmed us. Perhaps we haven't truly forgiven that person yet and find we are very reluctant to put her or his name on our list. However, we must. We are responsible for our actions. We make amends because we owe them. We must let go of resentments and focus on our part in the conflicts in our lives. We won't get better and be able to live the spiritual life we are seeking if we are still in the grip of self-obsession. We let go of our expectations and we let go of blaming anyone for our actions. Our, our idea that we have been a victim must go. In the eighth step, we are not concerned with what others have done to us. We are concerned only with accepting responsibility for what we've done to others. If we still bear anger towards some of the people in our past, we need to practice the spiritual principle of forgiveness. Our ability to forgive comes from our ability to accept and be compassionate with ourselves. However, if we have difficulty, we can ask our higher power for help. We pray for whatever it takes to become willing to forgive. We be, we've begun to accept ourselves as we are. Now we begin to accept, accept others as they are. And um, I like that, uh, our idea that we have been a victim must go. My mom, I had a resentment. My mom was top of my list, um, on my resentment list. And I had a resentment at her. She wasn't always the best mom. But then my son, <laughs> you know, was, was um, on my amends list. And I wasn't the best mom, you know. So it's interesting how that worked out, how full circle, you know, how I, how I got to see that I did the best I could. I had a friend that told me, because I was racked with guilt about um, that, that son because he died um, before I got into recovery. And I had a friend that told me, um, you know, did you do the best you could at that time? And I, and I really did. I, I knew in my heart, was it good enough? Fuck no, it wasn't good enough. But it was honestly the best that I could do. And I knew that, you know. So, um, um, and it was about... Um, quitting being the victim. I had, and it's important to have this, the last uh, time that I did the list, um, my sponsor said, just write everything that you think. And then we whittled it down to one, my son, my son now, you know, but the first time I had like dope dealers on there, you know, my sponsor's like, oh no, you don't owe them an amends, you know, that I owed money and shit. You know, if I would have went out and did that shit without a sponsor, you know, and then I had an abusive relationship that I that that I had a part in. There is never, ever, ever any excuse for a man to put his hands on a woman. But we were two toxic people, and I had a part in that. And and that wasn't. I didn't have any of them that I wasn't willing to do. I was so bad when I get. I was willing to do whatever you told me to do because I had come in and went back out a couple times, and I had some that I would do first. And the others were at the end of the list, but I was, I don't think I had any that I wasn't ready to do, but that one, I was advised by a sponsor to wait. And it did come to pass that, that I could do that amends and that he was able to do an amends with me. He had, he had a brain injury and got hurt. He since he's died now. And, um, and he was uh, clean too. And I was a, we were able to do amends to each other, you know? So um, that was pretty cool. And I like way back there where, where it says our, our objective is to begin, begin clearing away the damage we've done so that we continue, can continue with our spiritual awakening. And then it says um, we will surely be astounded by the level, level of freedom we feel. And that's, that's what I started to feel with that. I began to, um, you know, all the steps, especially four and eight and nine, I was able to start, um, step back into humanity and, and just to look people in the eye, you know, and hold my head up a little bit more. 
And I was listening. I'm just going to share this. I, this has been on. This is my favorite quote. Now I, I listened to that uh, on YouTube. They got all the NA speakers. And this guy said, um, he said, instead of um, telling the, the, your HP how, how strong the storm is, tell the storm how powerful your HP is. I thought that was really cool. And I think of that all the time. And, and um, you know, when I go through stuff, I'm going to try to remember that, you know, tell the storm how powerful my higher power is. So thanks. Love you guys. Good to be here. Love you, Barb. Thanks. Christine. Hey there. Well, I don't know about y'all, but my first experience with trying to uh, make amends, my first experience I thought with eight step was I was that girl sitting on the floor by the payphone in rehab, calling people, telling them, you know, like I called my ex-boyfriend and was like, hey, dude, um, I just need to let you know that I lied about having cervical cancer and never being able to have kids just so that I can stay fucked up for three months. Like, I need to let you know that I'm sorry for that. And I had, you know, people walking by going, shut up, get off the phone. So that experience didn't go over very well. So um, I had a, quite a bit of time before I actually finally got to the eighth step in the process, which Narcotics Anonymous suggests is the best way, which is starting at one and, and getting to eight. So I... The only relief for me when I got to step eight was I just have to make the list. That's all I'm doing here because honestly, I was that girl who was making the list and I was never going to fucking make events to these people. You know, I was just like, I was doing step eight. So I was just making the list because I had already tried that amends thing and or that apology thing and um and it didn't go over very well but because i had been in recovery for quite some time um before i actually got here i had cleared up a lot of wreckage along the way like neil was talking about last week we can work steps before we're actually on them like as far as clearing wreckage as i ran into people and i was aware because I was making my list that I, through working on my fourth step, um, I was able to, to make amends sometimes directly, sometimes indirectly um, before I got to the step. So by the time I got here and was able to just make my list and feel confident in that when my sponsor and I went over it, we whittled it down to like, you know, we knocked out nameless, faceless guy. Number six was not, I was not going to be able to make amends to him. And, you know, just, I had a lot of people like that on my list because I knew because of my mouth and the way that I spoke to people, like I was verbally abusive and I caused harm. I mean, to many people and, um, people that I really, I remember their faces, but I don't remember their names. So um, the hardest for me, the last person that I actually put on the list and the last person that was the hardest for me to make amends to was actually my sister, because I was like, that bitch beat my ass every day of my life. And we're even, you know, I mean, I was selling drugs out of her house she went to work one day came home I had cleared half the house out and sold her shit and we had a lot of baggage with with each other but I swore for the longest time like no we're even and um I have since actually made amends to her and we have decided we just want to love each other so you know um we'll get to that I'm sure in more depth on step nine but I totally understand that um, trying to clear the resentments and putting them on the list anyways. But it was a relief to me knowing, okay, I'm on step eight. I don't have to make amends to anybody just yet. I just have to put them on paper. That was the whole goal for me is put it on paper and, and put down my wrongs. And then my sponsor and I will figure out what is the best form of action should I choose to move on. Um, but yes, highly recommend. Don't um, don't be the girl on the floor at the payphone and the rehab center because it was an ugly scene. 
I know I'm not alone, but that's all I have. Thanks, Christine. Okay, I just want to say that when you said like fate, nameless, faceless guy number six, I was like guy in the mini truck by the river. Like literally, I I have that on, on my four step. So I, same girl. <laughs> same. <laughs> oh man, Neil, come on in. Thanks, Neil. I'm an addict. And y'all sit here and listen to Christine, and she sounds fairly put together. I don't know what happened to the share goes. Um, and uh, you know, she's a fairly successful business person and such. Y'all should have seen her when she got here. She carried a baseball bat to meet. She was uh crazier than hell. Um, I uh and but that's kind of lighthearted, but it also goes to show the healing process that this program, that this process brings. Um, well, Barb was reading, we won't get better and be able to live the spiritual life we are seeking if we are still in the grip of self-obsession. I didn't come here seeking any damn spiritual thing. I didn't know shit about a spiritual thing. All I came here for well, and here's why I kind of sat quietly for a second, because there was something that was eat, not eating at me, but there was something that seemed like it wanted to be heard. And um, I came here just, all I wanted was just show me how not to use today. That's all I want. I'm just so freaking tired. Show me how not to use today. You nothing about, I'm actually at the church right now. I'm at the church that I was raised in. I'm up here tonight to go try to find some church records or something. Uh, so I was raised with a very loving and caring higher uh, God and all that kind of stuff. Grew up in a very healthy home. No drinking, no substance abuse, no no abuse. And uh, real quick, when I went in treatment the first time, we had to do a like what they they called it an autobiography. And I wrote mine and I told about the family vacations and my and my dad telling my sister and I uh, bedtime stories that he made up about the adventures of this fox named Slip. Slip the fox and um, all this stuff. And, and they almost kicked me out of the treatment center because they thought I was lying to them until my parents came up there and said, no, that's <laughs> that's what we did. And uh, so you can be come from a really good back up all to hell. Um, so I came in here just wanting to not use. And, and and I'm a big one on say it's real easy to work these steps like well you have to work these steps so you can be a, a member in good standing of the NA club, and and I I just wanted to not use, but there was stuff y'all started telling me to do that had to do with prayer, had to do with leaning on on a higher power, and 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 I believe steps one, two, and three are a package deal. You can't take them separately. Uh, one's absolute despair. I'm destined to, I'm doomed to stay out here forever until I die this horrible death. Two, while I believe Narcotics Anonymous and people in those rooms, I believe they can show me how not to use today. And three, the only way what y'all have, the knowledge y'all have will do me any good is, is if I shut the hell up and just do what y'all tell me to do. And so that's what I started doing. And the first thing I found was a sense of freedom. This, I think I said it last week, the same kind of freedom I felt the first time I was affected by a substance. It was alcohol. I chugged a load of bunch. Nausea came. I held it down. When it passed, I was drunk. And the most poignant memory is all, I was 13. All those adolescent insecurities were gone. There was a sense of peace. And I, I, I never found it again until I got here and started working this process. So, the steps, as y'all know, uh, if anybody's new, you might not know this. If anybody's listening new, uh, the steps all build on themselves. They're all connected. They're not separate at all. And so in working one, two, and three and surrendering my will to something very concrete, it was you guys. I, I jokingly say stuff to newcomers like I would call my sponsor in the morning and say, hey, I'm getting ready to go to work. Do I wear red socks or blue socks? Because I didn't trust my brain. That was the only thing that was ever trying to kill me was my brain. So what I'm getting at is I started seeing things happen, spiritual things. I was in the middle of a divorce that hurt like hell. Never knew a person could hurt like that. 
asked for help. How do I get through this pain without using? Y'all told me stuff to do. And it worked. And my heart started feeling better. Had just unbelievable stuff. I think I told y'all about walking down the lane and the wind, the breeze whispering through the pine trees as I was walking past. It was like God talking to me. Barbara mentioned, um, you know, putting the dope dealers down on the on the amends list, on the eighth list, eight step list. I'm all I believe you can work so many steps ahead of time, but nine, no. You need to wait and get there with your sponsor. Cause I did go to make amends to the dope man. And uh and and I came away with a dollar bill folded up with a bunch of little powder stuff in it. And I had like about 10 days clean. And of course the war started. You know, don't do it, don't do it. Oh no, what about hell? Well, well, you've already started. No, well, and 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 I'm unfolding the bill and fold it back up. And I got to a stop sign. It's in one of my dad's trucks. And this is how I got clean before 1999. This was how long ago this was. 99, I came back from a relapse. I had to roll the window down in the truck. I'm making a rolling the window down motion here with my arm. And uh I opened the dollar bill up. And I stuck it to the, and just got it, just, it had a bunch of powder in the crease. Just stuck it just to the window. And all that powder disappeared in the blink of an eye. I mean, it didn't like swirl around. It just went, bam, it was gone. I mean, to where I did a double take. And then people who are listening can't see, but I'm grinning like a mule eating briars right now. Um, it made me laugh. It was like my higher power had been sitting on the back of that truck just going, give me a chance. Just give me a chance. Just give me a chance. And when I stuck that bill with that powder on it, just to the window, he snatched that shit away. I could cry talking about this stuff because I fought for so long to try to stop using. And when I got here and started doing what y'all told me to do, the universe started walking with me. So when we got to, gee, Neil, this is a long-ass story. <laughs> so when we got to step eight, I wanted to do it. I wanted to get the stuff that was blocking my heart from this power that was just doing unbelievable stuff in my life. That doesn't mean I jumped right out there and was, you know, the financial men's and everything. But I wanted to continue the process because I had found a spiritual life. It was not what I was looking for when I got here. Y'all showed it to me. And and it was said, I'll say this and I'll shut up. It was said a long time ago when this whole step, 12 step process got started before NA. There was a doctor that said to the people who were trying to get this off the ground, said, You got to offer something that's a sufficient substitute for the using. I have found something here that is a sufficient substitute for the using. And it's this spiritual way of life. So if you're new, man, stick with us. You have no idea how different life can be. Okay, that's it. Thanks. I'm done. Donna P. Hey, guys. Um, this is really difficult, talking about forgiving people before we can make amends to them. I personally think that's BS, um, at least for me. Right, because if I waited until I'd forgiven someone before I made amends, I might never have made amends, right? I think it's more important that, you know, that we focus on, for me, about taking responsibility for my actions and my behaviors and my attitudes, you know, and even if I hadn't forgiven somebody, that knowing that that was the goal, the goal was forgiveness. And, you know, it took me over 10 years to get there with my mom, right? I mean, it, it took time. There was something I was taught in early recovery that we don't say so much now, uh, which is if you have a resentment, you owe an amends. And I don't know 100% if I believe that today, but what that was, was this really good tool for getting me to look at myself when I was uncomfortable, right? If I was resentful, I looked at myself like, what am I doing to create this? What do I need to do different? Who do I need to apologize to? You know, like in the day-to-day -day kinds of stuff. 
And um, and those were the people that were on that list like that I got from my fourth step, my fifth step. Like if I had a resentment, they went on that list, right? And did I owe them an amends? You know, today that would look pretty different. Um, uh, because if I'm resentful at you, that's my business, right? Unless I've done something, right? But I've learned some things about my character, character defects, and that kind of stuff since then. Um, I heard this woman say at a, a recently speaking that, that you had to forgive people that have hurt you this bad before you can make amends to them. And I'm, I'm here to tell you that that's not necessarily true. Um, and if I was to stop being angry I still may not have made amends to some people. The idea was to get myself free, to get myself free from what I had done, who I had been, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, and so I just needed to look at myself. I needed to look at my, what I had done and, you know, and, uh, and man, uh, you know, checking it out with my sponsor, like so many of us have talked about that list got pared down. You know, and, uh, you know, there were things I didn't need to say, things I didn't need to bring up. Didn't mean the person didn't belong on the list because I was resentful because I'd done things that were harmful, you know, and um, uh, it, it says here about, you know, it's hard to get seek freedom, get freedom if we're in the grip of self-obsession. Well, I don't know any addict that's not in the grip of self-obsession most of the time, even with long-term recovery is kind of our nature right? And so if we're waiting for that freedom before we, you know, move forward with this, it's not going to happen. That's, and I guess that's why we don't do it alone. You know, perfection doesn't have to come when we make this list. Perfection doesn't have to come when we make our amends. I mean, it's important to separate these out, especially if we're afraid, but in reality, they're together, right? These are the people I'm going to need to face one way or the other. If I can't face them, then we need to have find another very specific way to free my soul. You know, this is soul work, you guys. This is soul work, right? And um, and uh, I was able to put my eighth and ninth step down uh, the first couple of times I did it and keep moving through, even though there were people I couldn't make amends to at the time. I wasn't, I didn't need to be stuck in this place, you know, it's like, there it is. And I'm going to get an opportunity to deal with that again when it comes around again, you know? So that's enough out of me. Thanks. Thanks, Donna. Eric, bring it, make us say amen. I'm already over here. I'm over here. Yeah. Uh, as I listen to everybody share, man, I'm like, amen. You know, like I, I just get fired up, man. Listen to this stuff. And like, I like what Donna said about forgiveness, man. I remember I was in rehab. This guy said, you can't forgive others until you learn to forgive yourself. And it made me so angry when he said that. And I got so mad because I thought, I don't know if I'll ever be able to forgive myself. You know what I mean? And if that's the case, I'm fucked. You know what I mean? I'm never going to be able to do this thing. But I, like, what is forgiveness anyway? Is it like a, a feeling? Is it an action? A little bit of both, you know? And like, what I found through all this stuff is that like, as I give a little bit, I get some more, right? And it's like a, it's like a bigger return on my investment. You know what I mean? I give a little bit, I get some back. I give a little bit, I get some back. And like all this stuff that's happening, I like how it said that these aren't really separate steps. You know, we have to break it down, but it's all like, uh, you know, it's all intertwined. And just like the, you know, like it's talking about, uh, you know, having uh, our ability to forgive comes from our ability to accept and to be compassionate with ourselves. I don't know that I had that at this point. I had some. I was going to meetings. I wasn't using. I mean, that's some kind of compassion for myself, right? And uh, I, too, was eager when I got to this step, man. I was not excited about it, but I was fucking eager because I had come to realize if the 12 steps didn't work for me, I was fucked. You know, it was like the last thing that I hadn't tried. I tried psychotherapy and medication and everything fucking else in jail, and nothing worked. And I thought, if this spiritual thing doesn't fucking work for me, man, I'm screwed. And so, like, I was really giving it my all. And I also like what Doug talked about, about the becoming willing like, through the process, right? And um, something else that stuck out to me, too, where I was talking about, like, how we harm people. I had a real hard time with that. I remember there's like, a step, a question in the, in the flat book. And it's like, you know, how did this affect these people? And I'm, like, fucking negatively, you know what I mean? That was, like, the only thing I come up with, like, badly. Not in a good way. You know, it wasn't helpful. I didn't know exactly how that harmed people in my you know, my thought process was so skewed, man. Like, um, and it was only through that ninth step that like, 
I became aware of other people's perspectives and how that actually affected them, you know, and, and how different that could be from my own recollection, you know. Um, I thank God for my sponsor going through this, man. It was just like, you know, not shoving the feelings down or aside, but just like walking through it anyways, man. Like I, I did have expectations from this, man. I had expectations that I was going to stay clean. You know, like that's why I was doing the fucking steps, man. Uh, like I said, I wasn't excited about facing up that stuff and it was really hard to swallow all those resentments I still had. I tried to do a ninth step before I got to my step, you know, and like it became a tit for tat, right? Like I was like, I'm sorry for this. And also I forgive you for this. And they said some shit that I didn't like. And I was like, well, fuck that. I take that back. Fuck you twice, you know? Um, anyways, man, I'm just so grateful. I love this book too, man. Like, I don't even know. I'm sure I read this the first time through, but it's like every time I get to read this stuff, it's uh, just makes so much sense. That's it. Amen, Eric. Amen. <laughs> Paul, can you read the next two paragraphs for us, please? I absolutely can. Uh, in developing a list of all the people, places, institutions to whom we owe amends, we may wish to review our fourth step. If we've done a thorough four-step, it should clearly outline our part in the conflicts in our lives and show how we've harmed others by acting on our defects of character. We find the people we wounded with our dishonesty, the people we stole from or cheated, the people who were on the receiving end of our wrongs. We also take note of how we harm society as a whole and add that to our list. We may have drained community resources, exhibited offensive behavior in public, or refused to contribute to the general welfare. Although we may find the majority of our amends list from reviewing our fourth step, step eight isn't simply a restatement of our inventory. We are now looking for the people, places, and institutions we harmed, not the, just the types of harm we inflicted. We didn't just lie, we lied to someone. We didn't just steal, we stole from various people. So um, <laughs> it's making a list, it's not doing amends. And, you know, it said that earlier, we're making a list. And why is making a list important? I, I have some experience with that in the sixth step. I made a list of those character defects. In the first step, I said that I was powerless and I was unmanageable. What the sixth and the eighth steps starts to do is to bring some manageability to my life. I get to see the things that are causing harm to me in the sixth step and how I've caused harm to others by acting out on those six step character defects and how that's affected others. And it is not huge and terrible and all of this thing. It kind of fits on a piece of paper or a couple of pieces of paper, depending on how, you know, it starts to become manageable. I can see it. It's not rolling around in my head. It's not, I'm the worst person and I owe the entire world amends. So don't be afraid. If you're listening, don't be afraid of the sixth. Don't be afraid of the fourth. Don't be afraid of the eighth. It's to make it all manageable. It's to pare it down so that you can go, oh, this is what's the problem right here. Look at this. I can handle this. The problem with some of this writing, it sounds like it's all in the past. I am a firm believer the eighth and ninth step is about the future. Fourth and fifth past, sixth and seventh present, eighth and ninth future. This is about how I'm going to change the way I deal with people going forward. I can't go back and fix some of this shit. I can, I can say, but what I can do, I can't, I can't stop getting beaten by a by a partner but what i can say is from now on no more i'm not going to be in those kind of relationships i'm not going to i'm not going to be that person anymore i'm going to change how i relate to the world that's what this is all about this isn't about you're a piece of shit and we're just going to keep going over and over how much a piece of shit you are i can do that very well without a 12-step program. Thank you very much. I did it for many years before I got here. That is not what this process is about. This is about freedom, Jennifer. Freedom, right? Yay, freedom. By the way, you are doing a fabulous job, just so you know. I, I, I know everybody has to say it, so I'm going to keep saying it too, okay? 
Um, all right. So that's me. Thanks for letting me share. <laughs> Thank you for all the validation. I appreciate yeah. it. Um, Amen. <laughs> so, you know, one of the, the things I really found interesting what you were talking about, Paul, was, you know, in, the, in the, the two paragraphs that we read before that there was this part where it says we begin to we begun to accept ourselves. Now we begin to accept others as they are. Right. So many of my resentments that that came from and it talks about, you know, it's not simply a restatement of our inventory. I couldn't I couldn't get there. Right. I had the I had the now, later and never. And I couldn't get there because I wasn't OK with what I was doing and I wasn't OK with and I couldn't get past that. And so you know, that over time, as I started to accept others as they are, and the mother seems to be the theme of the evening, um, you know, my mom was on my never list for a really long time. Um, and I kept expecting because I got clean that she would get better. That's not how it works. And um, I got better. She stayed the same. And my relationship is better with her today than it's ever been, right? Funny how that works. Um, but it took me 15 years to get her on the now list because I kept walking into situations with her, expecting her to act a certain way and not be who she's been her entire life and my entire childhood, right? Like it wasn't her job to change. It was my job to change. And so once I got to the place where I knew what I needed to do in that relationship, I could accept her for where she was and she moved up my list. Um, and, you know, I'll talk about that more in nine because it was like this really intense thing, but it really you know, all the ones that I had to do, I had to dig in and do the most work on that one. But then I got to that part where I could say, I know that I did all this stuff, right? I know as a daughter, like all this stuff happened and I did that and I'm sorry. And you know what I mean? Like I could feel it so that I could say it. Um, and, it and it was really powerful. And again, lots of freedom in that. So um, let's see, Lee P, do you want to read the next two paragraphs for us? Yeah, thank you, Jennifer. Um, the writing we did on our fourth step is not the only source of help we will be given in compiling our amends list. Our sponsor can also help us. When we share our inventory, our sponsor helped us focus on the exact nature of our wrongs. Our sponsor's insight helped us see how we had wounded people by acting on our character defects. That same insight will now help us determine who actually belongs on our amends list. Many of us had trouble seeing how we had harmed ourselves and may have been surprised when other addicts suggested that we add our own name to the list. Many of us have gone to extremes in matters of accepting responsibility for ourselves. Some of us have a tendency to deny any responsibility while others have taken on total blame for every disagreement. As we talk with our sponsor and other addicts, our flawed perceptions begin to fall away and we find the clarity we need to work the eighth step. With the help we have received, we start to develop a realistic view of where our responsibility truly begins and ends. And I don't know, I, uh, I already said I struggled very, very <laughs> a lot and, and even after a thorough fourth and fifth step, it was still very arduous to start writing down names. And uh, I think it was Barb who, I forgot who said it, but um, I was I was haunted for a long time by the nameless, faceless. I had harmed people on three or four different continents. Um, my sponsor literally had to sit down with me and say, okay, what about this? And I would say, yeah, I do that. And he would say, well, when I was in Vietnam, I did X, Y, and Z. And sometimes his stories were so um, more extreme than mine, it, it propelled me to break through. But, but like, and I think Neil said it, when I came here, I wasn't trying to stop using drugs. I didn't understand what being clean meant. I didn't understand any of that. What I was seeking was the absence of pain of how I used. Um, and his guidance slowly, slowly, ever so slowly cracked the hard outer shell to write to write stuff on there. Um, Paul had just read, we didn't just steal, we stole from various people. I remember having over nine months clean and a bunch of us robbed the warehouse. Um, 
and a lot of you guys who know me who've been on here with me for a long time, I always talk about statutes of limitation uh, running concurrent. So there are things I will not say on here um, because like the, the, the not running into the people part was easy. We had a place up on, excuse me, up off of uh, St. Charles Avenue. So I didn't cut through the, the housing project to go to a meeting. Um, I didn't go to the pay by the hour hotels anymore. And so I wasn't gonna run into someone for like a decade into the process. I didn't, you know, I didn't go to bars anymore when I got clean. I, or if I did, it was like a concert with a bunch of other people in recovery. So I wasn't, I wasn't afraid of running into anyone. But and I think it was also Neil who said there was disgrace happening. I was completely unaware of it. And so it gave me enough time, enough cycles through the 12 steps to get to a place where I could say, okay, specifically, this is who I harmed. This is how I harmed them. And sometimes I might will be willing and sometimes I wouldn't be willing. And, and, and this is important. So I had so many nameless, faceless from all over the world. My sponsor used to always say, don't worry about it. By the time you have to make the amends, you will have started changing. And I would be like, what does that even mean? Like, what am I gonna change into? Like a fucking leprechaun or something? I mean, what? who, who will I be then? You know what I mean? Compared to who I am now, because in Paul touched it, Lower than whale shit, no esteem, uh, and 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 slowly doing esteemable things created self esteem. And I can remember, <laughs> this is funny. I can remember hearing people talk about self self esteem, like getting excited, like one day I will get to that place in a meeting, because there was none. Um, and and you know. I really need to say this before before I sign off because I don't want to take up too much time. The freedom that I've been given, and I've said this and I'll say it all the way through eight and through all the way through nine, is all the black marks are off my soul. Now I've been doing this for a little while, okay? It doesn't happen overnight, it's over time. Uh, but all the black marks that I thought I could never admit to or never write down, they're gone, man. I don't care guilt. I may have a crazy nightmare every six months or every four months or whatever, but I've learned how to live with that through the process of narcotics anonymous. And I'm not talking about a using dream, I'm talking about like a uh, horrific event, like you're reliving it in your subconscious mind. But I've learned through this process how to be okay. And last night at my home group, I was trying to get to the place where I was Sunday morning at a 9 a.m. meeting and, and I shared this last night and I'm gonna say it again. I'm not okay right now. And it would take like, we'd have to go two hours tonight, Douglas. And that's okay. Because of NA, because of the principles, because of the 12 steps, because of sponsorship, because of service, because of me having a relationship with a God of my understanding. Amen, white Jesus. Um, that was supposed to be funny, you guys. Um, Trying to see deflecting feelings with humor. There we go. Character defect, calling myself out. Nobody has to say anything when we sign off. But anyway, I'm not okay. And I'm okay with not being okay because I know I know how to do this now. I know how to, to keep going forward. And and I love y'all. I missed y'all last week. And I may be in Houston next week. So we'll see. Tomorrow will be good. Thanks for sharing, Lee. Christine. Um, I want to put this out there because I know I can't be the only one. And um, it was the, it was, I probably felt more shame and struggled more with adding this to my list than anything else that I had done in my past. And it was something that had happened in recovery where it says here, we didn't just steal. Um, we stole from various people. Well, I stole from Narcotics Anonymous. Um, my first home group, I was the treasurer. Actually, I was the only home group member for probably, I would say, 
year and a half to two years. And um, I paid the rent every month, you know, um, but I didn't pay it out of the basket. So I kept the basket money. You know, it was like I totally co-mingled funds. I just kept the seventh tradition money and I just paid for coffee and everything out of my money. And be, I felt like I was entitled to the seventh tradition money because I had done all this. And my, I felt so much shame about that when the gravity set in, when my sponsor really gave me the perspective of, no, that is not your money. That is Narcotics Anonymous money. If you're choosing to pay the rent out of your money, you're not supposed to do that, but that is what you're choosing to do. It doesn't put you in a position to be able to keep the seventh tradition money and buy your own shit with it. Like, you know, and I felt so much shame. And when it actually, it took me a very long time to find the courage to actually go back to that group when it came time to make amends, you know, have the home group members in there. I had moved away and moved back. And so the home group members, half of them didn't even know who I was. <laughs> They're just like, here's this girl crying and snotting and calling a home group meeting. And, you know, I mean, it was quite the scene. But um, I say this because I had it it was painful to put it on my list and it sat on my list for a long time. And I know there's somebody out there who has done the same thing. And I'm saying this just to say, put it on the list. It does not make you a piece of shit. And actually it was one of the most re rewarding amends that came from, it was one of the greatest blessings of the ninth step for me, which we'll talk about when we get there. But um, yeah, I just wanted to put that out there because I love sharing my shame. Uh, you're a terrible person. Thanks, Christine. Appreciate it. Uh, Eric, come on in. Yeah, thanks, Christine. I'm, I'm sure you're not alone in that. And um, I've never sold for narcotics anonymous personally, but I know twice since I've been clean, I've stolen from a store and then felt bad about it and called somebody and then went back and paid for the shit. Not once, twice, you know what I mean? Like thinking maybe, maybe I've been clean long enough this time. This won't bother me. It's even worse. Um, but, uh, you know, I, this, this last two paragraphs, again, talking about the help of a sponsor, like, man, thank God for my sponsor, John, who passed and, uh, and my sponsor now, Ron, man, like even today, I'll call him with some shit and I'll be like, that ain't your shit, you know? And then I'll tell him some other shit and he'll be like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? You know, so I'm still, I'm still can be pretty skewed. And it's funny how, how wildly I stream, uh, swing from extreme to extreme, you know, no responsibility to all responsibility. Um, there's something else I want to say about forgiveness, going back to that, those earlier paragraphs, like what I had to realize, what I didn't get about forgiveness was that I could forgive you and not go back for more. You know what I mean? Like that old saying, like, shame, uh, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. Like, and the same thing with myself, right? Like, I could forgive myself for that shit I did and not fucking make it like it's okay. You know what I mean? When I forgive, it doesn't mean it's okay. It just means I'm letting it go. That was it. Thanks, Eric. Neil, I'm going to give you about 90 seconds. We got what we got left here. All right, real quick. Uh, so when Christine finished sharing about stealing all the money from uh, Christine, John M. did the same thing at New Beginnings when he first came around. But anyway, I jokingly said, uh, and if you're listening and not watching, I jokingly said, oh, you're a terrible person. And what I wanted to, what, what I wanted to clear up right quick is we learn how to laugh at ourselves and how to not take ourselves too seriously. So, yeah, we will, we will rib the hell out of each other. And uh, just just to help somebody get through a tough time, laughter is a very healing process. And no, Christine, you're not you're not alone in that. I never did it though. That's all. Thank you. Thanks, Neil. 
All right. Well, thanks everybody for showing up for us, showing up this evening. Uh, just a reminder, we also have our uh, Teenagers Do Recover podcast. We're going to be doing episode four this evening. So check that out as well. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. Hey, thank you for spending some time with us and walking on this journey. Please reflect on what was discussed and apply it to your life. Share this resource with anyone you feel led to do so and reach out to us. Oh, there's a podcast number, there's a Facebook page, um, and you probably um, have contacted one of the squad already. Continue to do so. Pour into us, allow us to be filled up, and that way we can continue to pour into you. I love you, folks.